All right, but we, we are, <coughs> pardon me, we are confirmed that audio is good, so we're going to get rolling. Uh, thanks for everybody joining us in the chat. We are having our first on location live stream. This is where many deep conversations have been had. We are on location at, as he likes to call it, uh, Casa de Joshua. And it's exactly what they call it. They all sign off on this, does it? This is where we have book club um, and sometimes just hang out and, and solve all the problems of the world. But this is the November 2023 Industry Pro interview with Josh Toft from Cartridge Brewing. In case you didn't know, Adam Makes Beer is now a podcast. Check out, uh, check out Spotify, Apple Podcast, and see all of the long-form brewer interviews we have done. After you subscribe, please leave a review and comment as well, because it really helps support the work I am doing. Also, if you're new to the channel or podcast, go to Adam Makes Beer on YouTube. Click the playlist tab and see tons of info, brew days, techniques, tutorials, over 480 videos now. As always, if you're getting value out of this content, please follow, rate, like, comment, and share with your brewing friends and craft beer enthusiasts. And if you have the means and feels that my content has been a benefit to you, consider a channel membership for $2.99 a month. This gives you priority for Q&A live stream questions or dropping a super chat, uh, super chat tip in the comments or chat. I am working on solidifying a date for our December Industry Pro live stream with guest Steve Endo Henderson of Rockstar Brewer Academy. Uh, Steve is one of the first guys that I saw content from on YouTube on the pro side. And so he was kind of one of the people that inspired me to get out and do some stuff. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. It's going to be interesting because he's on the other side of the world. I'm going to be talking to him on Saturday and... He's going to be in Sunday. It's a time travel live stream. Basically. Basically, yes. <laughs> uh, also, response has been positive for a recipe tutorial course. I'm still looking at how I want to pull that off. I think what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to go really simple. And I'm going to start making a line of paywall videos starting with a recipe creation course and uh, add supplementary things beyond that. Probably deep dive style episodes that will not tell you how to make the beer I make, but kind of create a range of recipe options for you to develop things yourself. Um, that stuff will be paywalled. Um, and so it would just be another step up in uh, subscription, which would be monthly. Um, and we'll probably handle it like that. So, um, yeah, a bunch of cool stuff. Things have been going great at the brewery. I'm signed off to brew now, so I'm feeling like a big boy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the rundown. So before we get to our chat with Josh, let's thank our sponsor, Liquid Engineering. I'm out. Liquid Engineering has been the pioneer of nano brewing and they have helped hundreds of successful breweries achieve their dreams since they started with one-barrel systems in 2006. 
now offering a full suite of brew houses up to 15 barrels skidded and insulated, matching cellaring equipment, keg washers, grain mills, and more, sized specifically for the nano brewer. Blickman Pro Brewing Systems are competitively priced without sacrificing quality. The simple design and factory direct support from our brewing ex experts gets you up and running faster than anything else on the market. When you're ready to go pro or just kicking the tires, be sure to reach out to them for expert advice and a partner to help you through it all. Turn your dreams into a reality by reaching out to Phil, Tom, or Josh at ProSeries at BlickmanEngineering.com. Again, that's ProSeries at BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman Engineering Pro Brewing is proud to be the equipment sponsor for this channel and is committed to helping every brewer, no matter where they are in their journey. I'm going to check one more thing on the computer before we get this. So I'm not sure this crazy thing isn't working. Okay, it's not. Yay. All right, we should be good to go. Joshua, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. It's good to be here with you. Excited to step more of a night conversation. I get to talk about some beer. Yeah, man, these are good. These are great coverage. Excellent, man. I know we originally talked. Um, Josh just took a trip to England. How long ago was it? A couple months ago? A couple months. Yeah, I, uh, it was middle school. Nice. Um, and he took a cool trip. Um, checked out some awesome English beers. He was raving not only about English beer, but English food. So take that, everybody that is anti-English food. Highly underrated. <laughs> but we'll get into we'll get into all that stuff. But before we jump into the trip and then ultimately the brown porter that Josh just brewed at Cartridge, which we will be trying tonight, we will uh jump a little bit into kind of your path into the industry, Josh. Um, what did, uh, what's your background education-wise? Um, background is in agricultural education. I uh, grew up in Illinois. If you guys are familiar with FFA, Future Farms of America, that organization, I was a part of that all through high school. Um, sparked a, a passion in agriculture. I ended up going to Montana State University for school. Originally to study chemistry, spent a semester doing that, uh, and then decided that I didn't want to have to do a, a, a area of study where I would need further schooling just to be able to get uh, a basic job. Sure. So switched after a semester into agricultural education and spent the rest of my undergraduate career there um, training to be a high school teacher. And then uh, did my student teaching. You're familiar with that. You've done that way back when. Yeah, that was, but uh, I was horrible. <laughs> I don't think I was terrible, but <laughs> I, uh, I got done with it. Interviewed at one spot. It was like the perfect. It would have been the perfect school. They did not hire me, and everyone else that was open was just so trash in comparison <laughs> that I decided I'm going to go get my master's degree. So that whole that whole process of picking a major so that I didn't have to do additional schooling, I, I still did additional schooling. Sure. sure. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I went, did my master's also in agricultural education. And then, uh, after that, after six years of that, I just figured out I love it. I love various aspects of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Sure. Um, and so I, I was mostly just, I started in Montana a little bit at that point. It's a beautiful state. I love, 
a lot of things about that, great experiences, but so far from family. My friends by that time, they moved everywhere, so I just moved back kind of thing. We moved to Cincinnati and figured uh, figure out figure out something. And that's when I met a friend of yours who introduced me to you. He's like, hey, there's this guy, Adam. He's a great guy. He's looking for someone to help him out in the brewery. Um, it's a paid position. I was like, yeah, well, let me get his contact information because <laughs> uh, I haven't worked in two or three months now and it would be, it'd be good to start working again. <laughs> And then I started, you know, working for you at Cartridge. Yeah, so when I brought Josh in for an interview, he wasn't aware that it was an interview. Uh, it may have just been because of my, my lax nature. Uh, very, very possible. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I brought him in. Uh, we chatted. Uh, he sat down with Maggie as well, who was working with me at the brewery. And really, for me, I mean, it really ended up to be, I don't know, like, I remember saying it at the time, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I was aware of it when it was happening. And listen, my, my team at Sonder is awesome, but, you know, it's it's still new and everything. And, and we got so close, the three of us. And, um, I mean, everything from we, we worked well together, they wanted to learn and grow, but pleasant. We had fun. Um, it, was, it was really great. And I just remember thinking at the time, like, this might this might be the best work situation overall that I've had, like as far as staff, you know, and, um, but yeah, so we, we, we had a great time. Everybody got along together. Well, um, it's not a complete shift going from your background in agricultural engineering to brewing. No. Um, can you, can you speak to that at all? Yeah. It, that was, um, it's kind of comforting after, Spending all that time in school to end up in an industry that is is definitely not removed from agricultural, fundamentally is an agricultural industry, and uh, and then to realize that there's also a fair bit of chemistry in brewing, and uh, even though I didn't spend too much time in that, it's still an interest in of mine and something not terrible at. So being able to kind of blend those two things together, um, the end is uh, is profitless, I would say. I mean, it really ended up being like not a job that I, no career that I ever would have considered for myself, but kind of the perfect career for me. Um, it does all the things that agricultural education and chemistry, like that I enjoyed out of those, and it doesn't have the things that I didn't enjoy <laughs> out of them either. Um, so it's just like truly the best of the best of both worlds. Well, and, and it has that, it scratches that itch of manual labor, too. And I know sometimes manual labor, like, it doesn't get, like, the best rap on some level. But, like, I know, I remember when I left teaching, I remember, like, I had soft hands, man. You know what I mean? Like, even mm-hmm. those pencil pusher hands. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know. But then you got into the brewery, you start getting some blisters, you start getting some calluses. And then, and then there's something to be said about going home exhausted yes. at the end of the day. I remember the first day on the job at Cartridge. <laughs> I guess I haven't been to Cartridge. I haven't seen pictures of Cartridge. I mean, I know you've watched this, but I know you've watched this video, Adam's video, so you've seen glimpses of it, I'm sure. But the brewery is a greenhouse. Yeah. Um, and when I when I started there, the uh, 
uh, the name of it is the, the steam vent, whatever you want to call it, off the kettle. Gosh, your words are eluding me. No, um, yeah, like a steam stack. The yeah, steam yeah. stack just vented directly into the brewery. So, greenhouse combined with just, you know, 200 plus degree steam every time you're brewing. I, I walked in that first day and within five minutes was drenched head to toe in sweat. And it never ended. I mean, it never stopped. <laughs> I got home and I remember my brother at the time I was living with my brother. He, he was like, oh, how, how was work? And I was like, it was great. I'm going to go take a nap, though. <laughs> like, this is not even necessarily like the hardest that I had worked in my life, sure. but it felt like the hardest I had yeah. worked in my life because I had never, ever experienced that. <laughs> yeah, so cartridge is beautiful. And, and Josh mentioned it's a greenhouse and we have tons of natural light in there. But you hired in in July? Yeah, mid-July. Yeah, yeah mid-July. Mid so, so that didn't help you. <laughs> it was hot in Cincinnati. And uh, the HVAC situation in the brewery there is not what it is in the rest of the building, meaning there is none. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it gets warm back there. So uh, and I think I also remembered that uh, the first day you worked, I left. I had like a meeting or something offsite. Mm. And then I asked you to clean tanks. That was the first week. The first day was Maggie got engaged. Mm. That was the that was the first day. That was your first day. That was my first day. Towards the end of the day, things started getting weird, and people were acting kind of strange. And then you were just like, "Yeah, you've worked long enough now, Josh. You can you can go home." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> I'll see you guys tomorrow." <laughs> and then I come back, and I was like, "Maggie's got a ring on her finger." <laughs> but the, it was that first week that Maggie was out for some reason. You were out, and I obviously at the time had no skills to do anything sure. worthwhile in the brewery, but you're like, well, I'll still come in. I'll have you clean the tops of all of our tanks because they haven't been cleaned all dusty as that. And um, the thing, I just said, yeah, all right, I'll do it. No problem. going to happen. And I did not tell Adam that I, at the time, was deathly afraid of us. <laughs> and the 15-barrel tanks, not a, not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem. The 30 barrel tanks are up there for mm -hmm. me. And you combine that with trying to haul a bucket of cleaner, a hose, some rags, and you're climbing this you're climbing this ladder like one-handed if you if you even have hands to do it with. And uh but I got them all done. You did I got, I got I got them all done, and I will tell you <laughs> they've never been done since. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've got some, uh, I've got some uh, foaming tips, uh, some new chemical tips mm. uh, since working at uh, at Sonder. And, uh, I'll, I'll pass them around to you because we use the same foamer that, that you have there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we have started using tip doing something else first. Um, how do you feel? Uh, how do you feel the educational side with the agricultural head uh, background that you have? Uh, helped you uh, with uh, in the, the brewing industry. Oh, good time. I mean, and, and not so much in, you know, uh, necessarily like direct, direct ways. I mean, I wasn't studying, I wasn't, we weren't even studying like barley or even though in Montana, it's, you know, Montana's one of the largest barley growers in the country. Sure. Um, 
So I, I didn't know a whole lot about that, but it was, you know, I had, being agricultural education, we worked a lot in metal shops, wood shops, all that kind of stuff. So I was familiar with very similar working environments um, and just kind of the mindset, I think, that it takes to succeed in those. Um, I like to tell my, my college advisor whenever I catch up with him, he used to teach this one this one lab in one of his classes. Um, it's a class like designed to prepare teachers to teach in a lab. Sure. So it wasn't like it wasn't a lab class. It wasn't about learning the tools. You know, it's just how do you teach this? And one of the labs he would do is he would hide us all behind the screen, and then he would go into the shop and start operating the machine. And sometimes he'd be doing it correctly. Sometimes he'd be you know messing up. And our job was to identify which piece of equipment he was operating, and then whether he was operating it correctly or not, and if incorrectly, like, what was he doing? Sure. And I cannot believe how applicable that is to, like, the number of times, it, it has to be a near daily occurrence that I'm in the brewery doing something, you know, whether it's brewing, just doing some, some administrative work, whatever it might be, and then you just hear something off, and you're like, Hey, did we shut the gas? You know, did we shut the gas <laughs> off there? Is something leaking? You know, is it, whatever it might be. Um, and like I've caught so many things that maybe weren't going to end up being catastrophic sure, failures, sure. but certainly like saved, you know, prevented larger issues just sure. just by having that experience and that kind of mindset. Yeah, there's that awareness that you get once you're in that space, and I think that's really interesting that that he brought you into a workplace environment to experience that. It's, uh, I mean, so that, that's been one of the more challenging things at Sonder is everything is new noises. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, I remember when I was first up on the brew deck, you know, everything is automated. And so things are, valves are closing and opening on their own and pumps are starting on their own. And so they're like, oh, well, you know, some noise would happen and then it would be like, Oh well, we're, we're about to start for a lot or whatever, and uh, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about uh, getting getting familiar with those with those sounds in the group house. Um, I think the other, if, if I can add, you know, the other piece too is aside from that, the, I think the biggest thing I have to pick up is just, and hopefully, we pick this up any kind of done some kind of schooling, but like, especially I think in the education side, it's that. Um, Willingness, willingness to learn, willingness to you know realize what you're doing, and that's been huge. Is just, I think I always lean towards kind of the lifelong learning, but but actually having some background as as an educator sure. really makes it makes me understand you know where I need help learning and sure. makes it easier for me to do that. And then also now in this new role it helps me understand better. Like, all right, I can't just assume. That you know, they even if they've done it somewhere else or whatever, like they might not know how it operates here. And um, I think it would be easy for me if I didn't have that, that teaching background to just, you know, whether it's like get a little irritated when they don't immediately understand, sure. like this is how it's done. But because I have that, it's a lot easier for me to just, oh right, I've done this five hundred times. Yeah, I know how to do it. You know. Without, without thinking about it, they have not done it, you know, at all here. Sure. And 
yeah, I don't know. Just I think as a as a manager, you know, working with Bill, it it really helps me do that more effectively. Sure. Hopefully, hopefully teach you know the, the people under me and, and the way you taught me. You know, and really sure. get them to advance in, in learning and grow in the industry. Sure. You know, it's um, it's interesting being in that situation. So Josh has had. You know, our, our industry is funny um, because, you know, you can go on Pro Brewer and look for brewing jobs, or, you know, head brewing jobs, and people are, you know, they want somebody with two years' experience, and they're looking to build their new $2 million project on top of that. It's not a extremely uh, experience-heavy industry sometimes getting in, and you've had an interesting quick path into the industry. So, yeah, because you came on with us in July of 2020. July of 2021. July of 2021. Yeah. <coughs> and then by August of 2023, you were at Brewer. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will say this. <laughs> um, Josh is probably, and uh, don't, don't say it's not true, uh, Josh learns very quickly. Uh, very sharp guy, um, and um, learned quickly, understood quickly, and not just the functional stuff, but he also picked up quickly the why things were happening. But that can also be a challenge from a management standpoint, right? Like, yeah. so people always just say, like, um, sometimes the best, you know, like Hall of Fame players aren't necessarily the best coaches. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and so sometimes, like, when things because the, different things come easy to different people, so I'm not just trying to blow you up too much. But like, but, but that's but that's the idea. 100%. There were certain things that that came easy to you in the acquisition of understanding what was happening in the brewery. Um, how has that been training new people? Because you've had essentially two people yeah. to to train. Um, there's some overlap between us there. Um, but, you know, can that be a challenging thing, having being somebody that can pick things up quickly? I think, yeah, I think so. Because um, I, I definitely still occasionally find myself just assuming that everyone picks things up or goes things up as quickly as I pick them up. Sure. Um, and so I really have to pause and, like, ask ask them more often, you know, hey, you know, do you do you know why we're doing this? Do you like are you good? Do you understand you know, listen? I told you to do this or whatever. Yeah, how do I say it? But like making sure that they're not just doing it um, from like some growth memorization. Sure. And actually understanding why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and have and while also not trying like I don't want them to think that I think they're done. Sure. Because, because, yeah, yeah. because I think sometimes it, it, like for me at least, it's easy to go, oh, if I keep, you know, reminding them of this little thing or just asking them something that I'm, I'm pretty sure they would have done because it's, it would just make sense to have done. Yeah. But like, hey, did you, did we dump all the sand out of that tank before we, you know, start pushing, before we start knocking out yeah. and, and asking that like through day after three day. And at some point you'll stop. You know, or at least that often. You know, yeah, never so, and then never so often it'll be like, "Hey, man, uh, we did do that, <laughs> right?" And I, I, I did that with you guys almost oh, yeah. all the way through. And, oh yeah. And you know, and, and I do think 
I do think a lot of the way it's just how it's couched, right? Yes. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, and because I think I've said many times to you guys, hey, listen, I know, like, this is not <laughs> to be, like, insulting or anything, but this is just the process, right? I think the trick is, and it's, it can be hard because people take things differently, but it's, you know, trying to, if you're going to say something like that, it's, it's doing it in a way that doesn't sound accusatorial. Sure. Uh, yeah, or it's just like, hey, I'm just double checking. I would do the same. Like, listen, even when I know that I've done something and I know I've done it, I still will double check. Sure. You know, every time that I that I'm willing, I could go put my wrist hydrator up on my mash tub, <laughs> walk immediately down, start milling, and the first thing I'm going to do is go. Oh, did I put my wrist hydrator up there? <laughs> and I know I did it. But it's like, let me just let me just make sure. And yeah. so I, I think sometimes I try to. Like even do a little bit more of that to myself now, sure. to as just like to model that. Then mm-hmm. hey, this isn't about you. This is I'm checking. This I'm I'm checking this. I if I was in your place, I would hope someone would ask the same question. I would double check this. Like building that, hopefully that culture and like that idea into them that you double check, you triple check every single thing that we do every time because. Eventually, you're go- eventually you're, you're gonna forget to do it. Yep. And it's gonna happen to all of us. It's gonna happen on you know various levels. Sure. But like, the faster, the sooner you can start to get them thinking like that. You know, the less frequently and and probably the more minor the issues you're going to run into. Sure. Sure. And I mean, it, it, it's a it's a process. It, it's a process job, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going through that process. You're double checking, triple checking. All that stuff, and even when you do all that stuff, you know, we still make mistakes, you know. So, um, so yeah, you did have. Um, I, I was really glad that Saucy decided when I took the job at uh, Saunder uh, to elevate you to the head work position because I, I feel like we are hitting a spot where you were ready for new challenges, um, and you knew. You knew all the day-to-day stuff that we were doing. Basically, the only thing I had to do was uh, put you on emails for suppliers for ordering, um, and and then you know we talk recipe creation and things like that. But that's just what you do with the people that you know in the industry. Exactly. That that's that's what I do with with, with my people and whatnot. Every time I post something new, I, I talk to them about my trusted people. So. Um, so what has been uh, what has been kind of the the biggest challenge of, of that changeover? So when I told you yeah. that I was going to Sonder, yeah. Um, aside from the gut reaction of Chris God, <laughs> you we went totally different routes. I said deep sadness. <laughs> well, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was like going to learn more about music. <laughs> Josh, Josh does not have, uh, there's many things that Josh knows about. What I will say is, is contemporary cultural references <laughs> and music is not necessarily things that Josh knows. So spending time with Maggie and I was very beneficial for me. That's one way to put it. I certainly learned. Um, so biggest challenges. It has, it has varied. Over the last couple of months, for sure. I think when I first, I mean, when I first took the position, it was, I 
I didn't even, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so it was just, the challenge was simply trying not to mess things up too badly, too quickly. Because I, like you said, I knew the process things, I knew the day-to-day, but like, cool. Those weren't the important things that I needed to know. <laughs> like, I remember I was getting ready to go on this trip, right? And I wanted to get some, some beers into the tank before I left so that there was something going on and I wasn't coming back to just a, a, a dip session. And I had never ordered yeast before. Um, all I knew was that yeast is overnight shipped, which I thought meant I could order it the day before or like maybe two days before to give myself a little bit of a buffer. And both of the beers that I was brewing, I needed a new pitch of yeast. And so I like four days out from brewing these things. And I was like, well, I'll just, I guess I'll just get ahead of it. So I'll just, you know, it's, it's overkill, yeah. but let me get this yeast ordered. And both of them were like, um, that's okay. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> you should have ordered this a week ago or you know, <coughs> four days ago. And thankfully, like, I basically just spent the first month whenever I emailed a supplier. I was like, hey, I have never done this. Like, <laughs> listen, procurement of, of materials, not something I've done. So please forgive me for asking <laughs> stupid questions and probably putting you on time frames that you don't like to be on. But can we, can we make this happen? Uh, and they were able to shout out to you know Imperial Yeast and, and Omega, save my butt there. Um, so that was that was like my biggest like that was my first big challenge. I think after that it was you know rest, it was recipe creation for a while because I realized I was going to need to start making my own beers. But we also had like we just had some beers scheduled from you know our, our distro releases sure. that we knew the names of and the general design, but didn't have a recipe for it. Yeah. And those were the first beers that I was going to have to do. So it was just right off the bat. <laughs> oh, shoot, I have to. And they were beers that we had ever done in any in any form before. Yeah. Um, I had I had no baseline. I certainly hadn't brewed them before. Like, I didn't homebrew before, take, before <laughs> I started here. So just working through that. And, I mean, you know, luckily, I know you and, you know, talking with you and Eric and Brian over at 50 West. I mean, anyone that I could, that I could bug about it. Um, and then it's just it's just evolved from there. I think it's you know there's always new new challenges, and it's just staying on top of them and, and not being afraid to ask ask for help. Uh, and then sometimes I for me it's yeah just realizing like hey, it's okay to my movements. And I tell you <laughs> what, I feel like one of the biggest strengths people can have just in general is being low ego. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least you know at least being willing to be like asking for help. Yeah. It's a far more powerful thing than people than well, people so think. I think like it, it might have even a Ben. I think it was even a, a Ben Franklin thing where they said one of the mm. best things you can do is ask. So I mean, it's I was for a long time hesitant for not even just like in this position, but just generally sure. speaking, like asking for help was not an easy thing for me to do because it was like well either. I should know how to do this already, so you know I'll look stupid if I ask. Them <laughs> or, oh, if I ask if I ask this person for help, like it'll inconvenience them, and they're not going to want to help me or whatever. And you know, then you realize that those are two very stupid thoughts to have. Sure. Um, 
and uh, rummaging in a lot of ways. And at the, at the end of the day, you know, you start asking help and you, you know, things get done better and, and quicker and you avoid problems that you might have. You also build those relationships so much more effectively when you're willing to say, hey man, I don't know what I'm doing and you do, can you help me? And like, it's amazing how willing people are to help. <laughs> you know, I don't know why that was a shocker to me, but it sort of was. And you're like, oh yeah, people just like, people want to help other people. And I think especially when you carry yourself in a certain way, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I think that's a big thing that the chat is pointing out. Uh, September and June has become a champion of me uh, saying the word sure and points out how often I'm saying it. <laughs> Apparently, it is now a drinking game for the chat. Ooh, I um, did see something about a drinking game for the chat. But uh, I... Several people have already passed out. Uh, so, you know. Are we, are we going to start participating in that now? <laughs> we can't. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. <laughs> the conversation it. could go a lot of directions. It would be too much. So the the interesting, um, I, I'm forgetting what the what the right term is like uh, when you're talking like from from a literary perspective, but uh, there is a there is a major uh, push forward. Something that was pushing the action forward when I left for Sander was you were going on vacation, yeah. um, and so you're essentially going to be in the brewery for how many weeks before leaving for how many weeks? Mm. I would be in the brewery in the new role without you for a week and a half. And then I was going to leave for two full weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you had had this thing on the schedule forever. I, had, I mean, you were going to England. I was going to England. They knew, I mean, like, this had been planned in February. Sure. For March of this year. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't going to change. Um, you just picked some four time right now. <laughs> yeah, be a typical me. <laughs> but yeah, no, it definitely drove me to just like not not try to brute force figure my way out. It was like, okay, let's sit down, figure out what needs to get done, and then who can I talk to that like get me there? Sure. You know, and make sure I can get this done in time so that I can go on this trip and enjoy it. And they're not, you know, I, I don't want to put Cartridge and Saucy in a, in a position where the new head brewer all of a sudden just ditches and, and, leaves, and leaves the brewer with, with like no plan for the next two two weeks. I mean, I'm finally at the point now where we've, we've kind of caught up from like, sure. we, we went down on beers so much because nothing was really being made during there. So there was, uh, there was a few weeks that were, we were, we were you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find the beers to beers to release when things kicked and now I think I have nine, nine, ten, eleven beers coming out before the end of the year. There you go. Uh, there so you we're go. in a much better spot. Maybe too good now now we don't have beer space, but that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. Separate issue. Yeah. Separate issue. Um so yeah, so you uh, just talking this trip here. So if, if, if what you might not know about Josh and you might be able to tell by his amazing sweater <laughs> and his awesome cap is uh, 
Josh is a well-read, uh, now increasingly man of the world, world traveler. Uh, Josh, Josh likes loves to read a good book, perhaps several at once. This is one of the reasons why he formed this book club that I've been fortunate to be a part of. But this trip to England essentially came about because of a book. He did, am I correct? He did. There's a book. It's called The Four Men by Hilary Belloc. It was a very famous um, English essayist uh, in the early part of the 20th century. In fact, at one point, he wrote a, a collection of stories called The Cautionary Tales for Children. And I don't know the exact date, but at one point, it was the best selling book in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. In um, what, what time period? Uh, 19, like early 20th century, up until he, he lived for quite a while. So he wrote into the 50s, I think. Okay. Um, this book was written in 19. Uh, it's set in like 1902, but it's written in 1910s or maybe early 20s. But essentially, um, it's the story of these four men journeying across southern England. They, they meet, you know, one of them decides in a pub one night, you know what? I should, I'm back in this home country of mine. Let me journey from, from one end to the, uh, to the next, enjoying my time along the way. Um, and I'll pick up whatever company I, I find along the And so over the course of it, he, he finds three other companions to join him on this, this journey. And he, yeah, he travels from um, East Sussex to all the way to the, the western west side of Sussex. And throughout it, he's, you know, he talks about the pubs that he's going to and the route that they're taking, the inns that they stay at, tells stories of, of you know, monuments and, and geographical features of, of the landscape that have, you know, Mythological stories sure. to them, and I was, I've been a fan of this book for, for quite some time. Um, at the end of it, we there's a feast that these four men have as they get ready to part ways. Um, they say, "Well, you know, it's the last night. We should we should feast. It's, it's the right thing to do." And so they get together. At, feasting is the right thing. <laughs> feasting is indeed. <laughs> and so they gather. They gather at the the last pub that they're in, and they have this grand, you know, not an elegant. Feasts per se, but this feast of bacon and eggs and bread and cheese and good English food. And so I, I had a family friend um, who, for years now, and I actually just went to the one he hosted this year, he's hosted a four men feast. Um, it's not always just four men since I think it's grown to like 20 or plus or 20 points. But, uh, but the idea remains the same. Sure. Gather together, you know, and feast on, on the same foods that they that they would have really good. And discuss literature and, and faith and, and all kinds of things. Um, so I just, I've been a fan of that book for a long time. Then I've wanted to go to England for a long time. And I figured this might be the best way to do this is go to England using this book as as my guide, um, more or less. And then made it happen. And it was it was amazing. Like we can talk with you know yeah, yeah I mean I, I, I could talk for, for hours on it. So I think I think <laughs> I, I should let you ask some, some whatever questions you know you want to let me let me guide yeah, it. Yeah I'll let you guide it because well, it, it was a meandering trip. First was, of all I do think there's something to this idea of feasting, right? So my son is bringing home his girlfriend from college. Uh, for Thanksgiving, and I can't tell you how excited I am to feed them. 
right? Yeah. Like, as soon as he told my wife and I that he's bringing his girlfriend home, we're very serious. They've been dating for a while. And it's like, okay, we need to. And it's not like the want to, like, impress somebody. But you just want to share the best of what you have. Yes. It's like this, like, the perfect hospitality. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the the epitome of of hospitality. Mm. And hospitality is that thing that I've touched on it before on uh, online, but, you know, hospitality used to be that notion of, like, it used to be, like, one of those four religious virtues, right? Mm. Like, when someone comes into your house, you give them the best of everything. Right. Yes. Um, and so there's something there's something sacred about it, right? There there's there's something it's like it and it's not just like it's not something you're compelled to do. It's like just something it's not by force, it's it's just something that should just come out yeah. of you. I and I almost I mean it is certainly a like a religious virtue. Just mm-hmm. I think it's even just it's not only a a natural virtue. I think there is, we might not all possess it to the same degree, but I think there's, there, or at least there should be this desire to do it. I mean, we've, we've read some of these, you know, Greek works together, and, and that theme of hospitality is, is there in all of them. And, you know, just some random homeless beggar walks up off the street and you're like, ah, let me bring you into my home, my friend, and I will. I'm going to slaughter all of my lambs, and I will clothe you in the finest garments, and the, the fine. Oh, the, bring the finest, the, the finest libations, you know. And and you're like, so why you do? Oh, it's just well, he was a random beauty showed up at my house. So why wouldn't? What else would I have done? You yeah. know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we should just go, you know, let anyone into the sure, house sure. time, but. But I think there's at least like there is a desire in all of us to to be hospitable. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's pleasing not just as an ego boost and look at me, it's it's pleasing to share with others, you know, from what we can. Well, and it's not even like and again, it, it's it doesn't even have to be showy. And mm-hmm. that's that's the thing, like, you know, Peg Peg cooks for me and increasingly like the more serious I get, like you know, with dietarily, like with being gluten free and whatever, um, you know, she has to cook more and more things from scratch. And you know, I bring lunch into work, and the other guys are usually jealous, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And it's not the most extravagant food; it's simple, but it's there's something amazing. about making yeah. something yourself. Yes, right. And and like when when you talked about it, like when when I went to when I went to Belgium, when we went into Cantillon. Uh, Jean Benoit, the brewmaster, and his staff and his sister, they sat down and had lunch, and it was a five-ounce pour of their beer, bread, cheese, and fruit. And that was it. And it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. Right? It's the right. best lunch. Yeah. It's the best lunch of the Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you, you decided to make this trip. I decided to make this trip. And, uh, and so the plan was essentially to hike what distance? Mm, about somewhere between sixty-six miles, if uh, I didn't get detoured at all. Sure. And more realistically, probably seventy-five. Mm. 
Uh, about four days. And how did you how did you train for this? Uh, not as well as I should have. <laughs> uh, I would go for <laughs> walks, pretty, yeah. right, pretty regularly, and, and like, I mean, lengthy walks were just going for a walk. Sure. I would, I was probably going for a walk or a hike of five to, to ten miles, toward, especially towards like the last month, six weeks before the trip. Two or three times a week, at least, doing doing that. Maybe three, three or four sometimes. Um, thinking, ah, if I could walk, I think one day I did like 15, 15 miles just at a, a local nature park, actually, just down the road here. And um, I said, like, if I could do, you know, 15 miles, I felt great after it. I, I didn't stop for anything. Like, I just hiked it all the way through with, with my pack, like my backpack that I was going to have, with essentially all the stuff I would have brought with me. If I can do that, I can I can do this trip because the longest day was supposed to be the first day. <laughs> you can see where this is going. Uh, the longest day was supposed to be the first day, which it remained actually, um, but not how I expected. Uh, and it was going to be like 19 to 20 miles. Sure. And you know, marathoners don't run a marathon in trail. Yes. Like, they run 20 miles or whatever. I'm not a marathon. I would never do a marathon. <laughs> God bless you. Um, but it's like, okay, if they do 20 miles and, and then they know they can do this, if I could walk 15 miles, sure, I'd probably walk 20 miles. Yeah. And uh, I could. Um, but there's consequences. So the first we, thing we, Maggie, Maggie, Josh, and I have a group text. And it's almost just like Maggie and I are the only two people in it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we start texting Josh while he's over there. And he's just texting us like crazy. It's like, this is the closest we've ever been. The furthest apart we've been. I sent selfies. (laughs) Numerous. Numerous (laughs) selfies. (laughs) Numerous selfies. It's not a thing that I... Not a thing that I do. He sent us pictures of paths that look like uh, only... That only... uh, what what are the, oh that only hobbits had had uh, had tread before, <laughs> um, and uh, so the first day ended up to be how long? The first day I ended up walking twenty five miles. Um, and, and, and honestly, you want to know the worst thing is is the last two miles of that twenty five were the worst because they were the most. That's what they say actually? They were the mo- no, they were the they were the, the they were completely unexpected. So I, okay, so I got into England and I, I had some travel delays, so I missed my first, my diverse plan. So I, I stopped at my second, my second place for my, um, my dad, the first, you know, the first stop after that, right? Get there, have some beers, have some, have some food. Took a little five, six mile walk around, around the area. It was, it was beautiful, great way to take this trip. I got up the next morning, had a nice breakfast, and it was, Google told me it would be 16 miles. <laughs> Here's the thing that people, like, the other thing is, it just... That's the crow <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, like, okay, I figure it'll probably be a little bit more than that because I'll take, like, I'll just see something that I want to go explore a little bit or whatever. But I, I got on the road, maybe 8 o'clock in the morning, figuring... I could probably get there by five. 
I walk all day. And I'll stop, you know, I'll stop at some point for some lunch or whatever. And so I, the next town is maybe three, four miles in. Great. Stop, stop in there, have a cup of coffee, just kind of meander some of the streets of beautiful little English town. I'm like, all right, but it still seemed to like, you know, actually look around in this place. And so I'm just going to keep, keep going. Here's, here's the thing that if you've never been to England and you've never walked in here, you need to understand is they're, they're lovely. They have these, they call them public right-of-ways, which are just paths, essentially, that farmers let you take through their fields. Um, And a lot of them, like, very few of them get in. They almost always, like, actually go to, like, somewhere else. Um, And a lot of times, they'll kind of divert, they'll, they'll find them around parts of the road that are less friendly to walkers. They're really, really friendly about like on the on English roads. It's it blew my mind. No one was angry at me for walking on the road. People would just wave. No one no one honked their horn at me ever. Even when I was like taking up the road, you know, or, like getting in people's ways and like throwing them down. Yeah. <laughs> like no one no one was upset. But there was a few times like the roads are so narrow there. And a lot of them have maybe like a three foot section on the sides that you can kind of walk around that almost seems designed for people that it's not a walking path, but it's it seems like it's built with this idea of people might walk here, but you can't always do it. And so you'll find these public right-of-ways a lot of times in sections where that kind of goes away. And so I would take them when I could because they're also just beautiful. And you get to walk through the English countryside and, and see things that you wouldn't see from the road. Um, they're, I love them. Here's the thing though, right? They don't tell you where they go. <laughs> All it says is public right of way. And then that's it. And you just start walking. And you hope. And I would just, I was literally navigating via the sun because my <laughs> GPS wasn't even working. So I was like, okay, well, I know that I know that the next place I'm going is more or less northwestern. So if I, as long as I kind of maintain that general direction, I, I should get there. At some point, I'll get close enough that I can figure it out. So I just kept taking these as, as often as I could. And I got I got 12, 13 miles in on the first day. And I felt awesome. I was I was loving it. Um, I mean, it was just... It was, you were harvesting apples from the roadside. Oh, that was that was the second half when I was when I was beginning to starve and grow <laughs> a little bit despondent. We'll get to that. I'll get to that section here in a little bit. This was before the apples. Thank God for the apples. Um, I got 12, 13 miles in. I, I hit this little town of uh, Fletching. Fletching. Um, there is not much to that town. But there's this nice little pub. Naturally, it's seven hundred years old. Uh, right as they are, <laughs> um, and I stopped in for I stopped in for a pint or two, and you know took a little took a little rest, enjoyed some of the views. It was set up on the on this hill, and got finally had a, enough service to check how much further I had. And it's at eight miles, and I was like, "Well, this first twelve miles has been super easy." So, and I know that I've taken I've gone a little bit out of my way, but like I could do another eight miles. I could I could make it twenty. Yeah. Um, and then that's when it started to go downhill. After I after I got out of that that time, um, was when I started to take public right of ways that would just stop. They had no apparent way forward, <laughs> so then I would I would walk for like a mile, and then realize it just that's it. 
and then I would have to backtrack a mile <laughs> to keep going to keep going forward. And um, and it just got progressively worse. A couple of times I like had to run across the road to avoid a car. I think I tweaked my knee one of those times. So then that started to that started to get a little aggravated. Um, and I just kept and the whole time ahead of this trip, I told myself, I'm going to walk as much of it as I can. Yeah. But England has great public transportation. Yeah. And so if or when I need to, I'll just get on a bus or a train or whatever and go to my next destination. I'm okay with that. Turns out, though, the area that I was in was maybe the only area of England that doesn't have public transportation. Not a single bus. Definitely not a train station. And so I just had to keep walking. And I did it. Um, I found some apples along the way. It was marvelous. There was just, there was just this little... Just English, enough to keep you going. There was this English, <laughs> I had packed some food, but like there was something about finding this, this bucket of apple, fresh apples on, at the edge of this... Did English you steal some of that? No, 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 no. No, there was an English <laughs> cottage in the, in the driveway. I, I was walking along the road. I was tempted to... I did steal a couple of apples off of some trees that were overhanging. So I figured it was American laws where sure. if they're over their property line, yep. then they're mine. Yep. Um, so, you know, I did that once or twice. <laughs> back to but then I came across this house that just had a bucket of apples. They didn't have a sign, but it was at the end of the driveway. Clearly... Just like, hey, public apples. Public apples. Oh, you're, you're a bicyclist and you want an apple? Take one. So I took four or five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> loaded, loaded those boys in the backpack and then uh, kept going. And at that point, you know, I just wanted to be in my, my, next, my next stop. The English countryside stopped being as beautiful as it was. like, okay, I've seen it. It became like, a wasteland. I, I, was, I was stopping more and more frequently to like, stretch and try to uh, okay no I, I think I can keep going I finally make it to the to the next stop to the town called Canterbury um you know, I was 23 miles in at that point when I saw the sign and I still that's one of the most beautiful things I've seen uh, was, was rounding this the last the last mile of my hike was just uphill <laughs> not, not not even like super steep because it was not the like the most you know, it's not, it's not Colorado, but sure. it was it was a steady uphill for the last mile or two, which was miserable. Um, but this sign, like the sign to the end, comes yeah. in comes in view, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I've made it. I can now sit down. I can have a it was meal. your friends and have, have a meal. It was my friends and I can have a meal. I can have some some friends. I get in there, settle in my room, go to the bar, order a pint. Around for a little while, and then like, I was eating there. They definitely said they had a kitchen. I was like, "Excuse me, sir. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Food. Oh, we don't eat more. Um, we we literally stopped a week ago serving food. Um, okay, no problem. Where it was, where can I? It was eat? like six thirty by this time. Yeah. Um, which turns out that's when things close <laughs> in a rural <laughs> So I'm like, well, where, what's what's available? You know, an open community. Um, well, there's the you know, there's this restaurant down the down the road. So it's not 
it's not too far because I assume you have a car. I said, no, no, I walked, <laughs> I walked here from Helen, and that's when I realized how far I walked because they went from Helen. You, you walked here <laughs> from Helen. Oh well, it was just twenty three miles. It's no big, it's no big, it's no big deal. So I got him. I, I there was a bus in this time. There, you go. there was finally a bus. So I got on it, figuring, okay, well, it'll, it'll get me closer. It got me about 400 yards closer to this place. And then I walked over a, another mile to it, sat down, ate, and then the buses were not running at that point because it was nine o'clock at night. So then I had to walk all the way back. <laughs> uh, basically, went went my way back. Um, I got into my I got into my hotel room that night, my my B&B. I couldn't straighten my knee. At all. Like my leg, my leg would not straighten. Every time that I, it was the most painful thing I've experienced. <laughs> I would straighten it out, and then it would snap back into place. <laughs> and, so and, I, and, I, and that was this knee, and then on my other, on my other foot, I had this massive blister. Sure. So I couldn't walk on either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kind of ended the walk at that point <laughs> for the trip. Um, no little, shame. A little bit of a long, you know, long story short. Now is I. <laughs> Continued on to the places I was planning on, but I took much more public transportation. Buses, trains, I walked in the towns, which actually was kind of lovely. I, it was, I wish I could have done the whole trip the way I planned, but I think it worked out in a really, in a really pleasing and memorable way. Like I got to, I got to see more things than I planned on seeing because I could just go to a town and then actually have time to explore that town. I went all the way down the coast and you know, kind of just traveling around a bit, and it was, um, it was just wonderful, you know. And then yeah, English beers all the time, bread and cheese for the meats for lunch, um, steak, steak and kidney kid pies. I'm telling you, English food. English so do kidney pies actually have kidney Oh yeah. Oil? Oh you can get all kinds of candy. I went to I went to a <laughs> farmer's market in one of the towns and they were just selling like um wild uh fowl pies. They're just full of like, pigeon and quail and uh, I love it. So this is uh speaking of German or German. Speaking of German. uh speaking of British beer. This is uh, the Joshua has made uh, a beautiful little uh, tatty porter, a little brown porter, uh, which we'll dig into tonight. So, uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that, brother. Um, you have, uh, so this is one of your own beers that you made here beers. at Cartridge? Yes. And you used uh, uh, Bruce Blair X in this. I did use Bruce Blair X just so that we can just so that we can have this conversation over this beverage. Man, it's been a minute since I've had a beer. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, this is both awesome to drink beer and awesome to drink this beer. So it's growing on me. You're uh, you're you're not excited about it? No, when I first out of the tank, I just. Wasn't sure about it, um, but I've had it a few times since then, um, and every time that I've had it, it's I like it more 
I like it more and more. I think there's still even follow up. There's still things I would do differently. Sure. But um I wasn't super excited about it. I was excited about making it, but not necessarily stoked about the initial the initial taste. Well, uh so uh brown porter is an interesting one, I think. Uh, I think most time people think when you think porter, you think robust porter, stuff like that. Um, but this is this is brown porter, and uh, first of all, it's 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 super enjoyable. It's 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 super enjoyable. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I came up uh, on the school of uh, Jamil Zana Chef. And was very uh, <laughs> <laughs> may not be his recipe. <laughs> I tell you what, man, and I said it before, when, when you're not familiar with the historical style, uh, just brew what Jamil did, drink it, and then see what changes you want to make from there, because you're pretty much going to be in the pocket uh, for, for the beer. So uh, before we dive too far into this, yes. let's talk about a little bit about your experience inside British pubs. Okay. Uh, yeah, you British. mentioned like 700-year pubs. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, the beers that you're drinking in there, let, let, let's talk that. All right. I mean, I mostly drink bitter. Just best, yeah. best bitter is um, by by far in a way the most common beer you can find. Uh, at least when I was there, I imagine if I went now, I might find more beers. Sure, uh, but you know, I knew that I would like English beer. I you don't get a lot of opportunities to have good English beer here. Um, I mean, obviously you can get some Smiths and. A few others, but you're not finding camp spirit here by much. And freshness is and freshness, such a thing yeah, too, exactly. I mean, such with such small beers. Yes, you know. There's so there's so many things. So I was very excited to drink it at the source. Uh, knew I would like it, but I will say the first one that I had, and I honestly I don't know if it was, you know, maybe it was getting towards the end of, of its life as a cast tale, anyways. Um I it was not the most enjoyable enjoyable beer. Yeah. I understood, you know, people's hesitancy towards English beers as flat and warm after having that first one. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, fully either of those, but I'm like, okay, yeah, this is very different. This is a completely different beer than anything I've had before. Uh, but I just same way I learned to like scotch, I just powered through it. <laughs> there you go. And, and I'm like, listen, I'm just drinking, I'm drinking. Bitter all the time. And, and so, P.S. The, the first beverage that we had was uh, was something beautiful. What, uh, what was Glen, that? Glenlivet Yeah, yeah, uh, fantastic stuff. Um, and uh, but now, but now, now, now on to uh, on to the the Teddy Porter. So this, this beer is pouring in the tap room right now. What's the name it's, of the beer? It's called the Englishman. It's not yeah. pouring in the tap room yet. Okay, it will be, okay. It will be soon. Sneak peek. Sneak peek. Beautiful. Yes. Um, but no, so I drink a lot of a lot of that Um and yeah, only on cast refused to. I mean, obviously, if I'm there, I'm not drinking anything that is not cast. Absolutely, that was sacrilege, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I think with a lot of, I think with a lot of simple beers, because it's not a comp, it's not a on the face, it's not an overly complex beer. Sure. And so, if you're drinking them in the you know, like Americans might, giving them, you know, bottles or cans or however you might access them, like, I could see just, just not thinking very much to it. Yeah. But when you drink it 
every day when when you know you're having one at lunch and you're having one at dinner you start i started to appreciate the complexity of, of that beer and you you do start to notice like you can start to pick up on which which ones were fresher and you know you start to really notice that they all have a bit of oxidation sure well then there is right? that there is that to whole life. The gradient of, of yeah oxidation. well there's the whole life of the cask yes. too right there's the between the first pour and the last pour yeah. out of that cask yeah and there's a, there's a sweet spot yeah. um, which unfortunately like, i never stayed in one spot long enough to be able to drink sure. the same beer through its life cycle which would have been the, the next time that's what i'll have to do is you know drink one when it starts on cask and then every single Day until it's empty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which really, I mean, there it's like three or four days. That's the, right. the most they're allowed to keep it. Um, but I just the thing that for me was the most intriguing, and I really appreciate even more about English beers is how about because they are so small beers. But well, ABV range, what are you looking at? I mean, uh, that terminology in some way. There's free houses. Okay. But free houses are places that are not owned by them. So they'll serve yeah, whatever. Yeah. They don't make their own beer, but they'll serve whatever they want. So I, I think a Tide House is like, it's it's essentially like connected to the brewery. Okay. No, something, I, I'm no, I believe yeah. on some level. Free house, you'll see like on the bottom of all the pub signs if they are one. Okay. But otherwise, you'll see um, like Green King. It's a Green King one. Or Harvey's is, is a Sussex brewery. Uh, but what was I saying here? Oh, I went the ABV range. I went in with a little tangent from the story. Uh, went into the only craft brewery that I found the whole way there. And I ordered, I was asking a little bit about their beer. So I'm going to get five. And he goes, well, you know, are you going to, how long are you going to be here for? And I was like, well, are you going to be in town or at the brewery? He's like, yeah, not at the brewery. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. You know, until I'm done drinking, I guess. Yeah. And he goes, well, usually if they, uh, if people are, you know, here for a long time, they'll, they'll get our cable beer. But if you're just in here for one, you want to, you know, kind of be, be set after that, you can, you can get, get our 4.3% IPA. <laughs> I, it took every it took it took every fiber of my being not to look that man in the face and say I respect your beer so much, but I will drink you under the table, sir. I'm an American. I'm an American. You know there there is that interesting thing, and I remember uh, I referenced Jamil earlier, and he was talking about a time he went into a pub. He was in England, and. Uh, he ended up, he, he had a pint in front of me, he was drinking bitter, and uh, he he ended up uh, beating up some other guys that were drinking, and they all started talking, and then uh, they were all done with their beer, and Jamil was like, well, let me get the next round. And uh, so he, he, he drinks around out, and then somebody else bought another, and there's like four guys in the group, five guys yeah. in the group, whatever. And then uh, Jamil tried to buy the third round, and they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, it's actually, like, it's by turn, right? Yeah. And that's the idea of buying rounds, is that everybody takes their turn and whatever. Yeah. So it's, there's, like, a, an element of uh, civility or, or something to it. That, you know, there, there, there's, yeah. there's some culture built into it. And what I love about that drinking culture, and that was one of the things uh, when I first started getting into home brewing, pretty quickly I got into making 3.5% food. And it's uh, right. We it's so it's so sad to me, like that we don't do that. Yeah. 
And I get not wanting to pay seven dollars a pint. Yes. For a three and a half percent beer, but it's a three and a half percent beer. Don't sell it for seven dollars a pint. Yep. It doesn't cost you anything to make. Yep. Like just sell it for four bucks a pint. Yep. And you'll sell you'll sell a bunch of it. Yeah. Because there is there is something so nice about yeah, being able to just go to a pub, drink there for as long as you want. Yeah. And especially if you had something to eat, like just know yeah, you're fine. Be relatively somewhere you're, in your range. Yeah, you're good right? to go. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it builds a culture of socialization, it does. right? Like that that's yes. the other thing. Like Yeah. 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 It's so uh complete side note. Um and, and I'm not just blowing smoke. This is really, really nice stuff. Oh, thank you. I it's, do it's, I really do appreciate that. It, it's super nice and, and, and we're gonna dive into the beer, the recipe, what you want it to be and different things like that. But uh dude, I mean the flavor the, the malt flavors in it are great. Uh, this was the first time I've worked in this mall. Yeah. And I mean, just just at mashing. I, mean, I was tasting the malls before yeah. as, as I'm opening up and noticed that there was, this is this is the Yeah, no, no shame on American too at all, but but you start to you start to understand. And then the first time it really hit me when I was doing this beer was just on mashing. And this, I mean you and I would always talk about you know, Every time we matched in, oh man, it smells so good. It was unreal in that. I could have just stood over that match tongue for as long <laughs> the whole time. Just slowly, deep breath, just deep breaths in. Slowly poaching your upper body <laughs> exactly. as you just hang into the Oh match man, tongue. it was it was lovely. Because this is, I mean, I guess yeast withholding a little bit, but it's it's British to Sure. So, so, so let's start jumping into yeah. it a little bit. So, just off the top, and and if you want to pull something up on the phone, you're you're yeah. You're I have, my, I have the, the brew log in the in the apartment. Do you want to go grab yeah, it? Grab Do you want to grab it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, just real quick, hey everybody in the chat. Um, well, I'm not going to be in the chat a bunch, but uh, September and June, as always, I see Cowboy Brewer in there. Uh, you guys are holding it down strong. Uh, keeping the uh, keeping the drinking game going. AC Howe, uh, glad to see you in there. Thank you so much, Reverend Kentucky KY. Uh, welcome. I haven't seen that name before. Jim Matzik, uh, welcome, man. Hope you're doing well. Paul Paul Bondi, I believe. Uh, good to see you in there. And I think you're in Australia, dude. Uh, Michael, welcome. Tyler, welcome. Good to see everybody in there. Uh, much appreciated. Hopefully, you're enjoying our uh, our conversation about this. And um, and this is this is just real quick about this beer. Like, what I'm loving about it is, uh, dude. First of all, super drinkable, super sessionable, and we'll, we'll get into this. And we're gonna we'll probably end up talking about residual sweetness mm -hmm. and everything like that. I think you're expecting a, a, a little bit more body in it, but dude, the, the, the drinkability of this is outrageous. Um, and, and the flavor, and this is, this is what I love about, um, when we make smaller beers like this and you use those beautiful British malts, the, the layers of malt complexity in this are just, they're, they're, they're off the charts, man. And, and they're really something to appreciate. And and I think we'll, we'll like I said we'll get into the dryness of the beer later, mm -hmm. but it is just super drinkable. I, I um, really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you. And yeah, 
but uh, so but you were talking about uh, standing over the mash tun, so uh, and, and those British malts. What are what are some of the malts that you have in there? Just this rough overview. So base uh, is is crisp best pale uh, or best pale, yeah. and then uh, Simpsons Crystal Light, yeah. crisp brown malt, and then Simpsons chocolate. So equal parts Crystal Light brown. Uh, I have to do the math, but it's six, seven percent each, maybe. Yep. And then a little bit less on the chunking. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be really honest. There's not a lot. It's basically just Jamil Zinchin. Sure. It's going to be just straight up honest. I've never brewed this beer before. I opened 80 80 classic beers to brew, and I went, why would I not do this? That's exactly what I would <laughs> this do. This is the dumbest thing. Like I can play with it now, you know. But sure. I've never, I've never made it. And that's yeah. my, that's my approach with all the beers that I've been making yep. that are classic styles. Is just like you said, if just make, make the most classic version of it that I can yep. to understand it. Yeah. And then you can figure out where you want to go from there. But yeah, just just beautiful, and and there's a. I was talking with the guys that work today. They're tasting the beer, and and I told them I said, you know, there's not much because like how negative my response is to beer drinking, like standard beers, and so obviously I can drink this because Josh is clerics in it. But um, like my my response is so negative to it that like I almost have an aversion. But this is so damn good. <laughs> like honestly, like honestly, um, just really tasty and uh, yeah, man, that's fantastic. So when when you're when you are busted into those malts, tasting yeah. tasting them when you're over the mash tun, uh, how is it different from some of the other stuff that we've been using? It's there was you can't mention the malt complexity, but it just there was more layers to it. I think. For me, when we when we've had those mashes that just smell awesome for this, to me it was it was more of like a I mean they smell great, but it was also a bit of just my childhood coming in because it smelled like warm. Um, oh, what's what is it called? It's barley cedar. It's it's the uh, like grape nuts. Grape nuts. Yeah, grape, yeah. It just smells like warm grape nuts. Yeah, and it's not. It's it's sweet. It's you know a little maybe a little bit caramely or, or but like there's not a whole lot here. But this one was that amplified tenfold. I felt sure. like, and then also like you, I I could smell all the the chocolates and the coffee and the, the caramel that was coming out and like that rich toasty ready malt. It was just it was incredible. And I think that's the interesting thing. So even when you visually, when you get into those British malts, something will be like, you know, like, so say, for instance, like your, the caramel that you're using off the top. I don't remember what the love is, what the love of bond is on that, what the color is on that. On the, but just, just for argument's yeah. sake, let's say it's like 30. Yeah. But you, you, you take a handful of that malt and you're seeing anything. I feel like you're seeing anything from like 10 to 40 in it or 50 or 60 so you you can even see like the range of color in, in, in the malt and um there, there's just a depth with that stuff man. so true there, there's there's just a depth with it and there's something that i love that you said earlier um i think and we're just going to jump out real quick but for a business perspective i think 
Okay, so sometimes we say, I can't sell British beer at my pub. Price it accordingly. Okay, so if you have your $7 IPA, your $6 IPA, your $9 IPA, whatever it is, take that take that bitter and sell it for $4. Right? Like, yeah, and, and neither one of us own a brewery, so we, we can say this. But, but I'm telling you, you want to you make those beers accessible, make them accessible financially, because even though we pay more for the base malt on it, that, that, it there's nothing else. It doesn't compensate for it. No. Yeah, yeah. And even I was amazed. And I, I mean, sure, I could have gone near Tyler on this or something, but I wanted to, even though that is maybe the standard, the, let's let's be a little bit cost conscious on this one. Make British beer great again. Make British is beer. that that's where that's where I don't know, but that assumes that it wasn't <laughs> great. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so yeah. So that's I think that's a, I think that's false. Sure, sure. Make people love beer. Yes. Yeah, um, let's drop the prices on those beers. Yeah, anyway. this this crisp this crisp best sale, and I would be interested to make this beer again with a different base model just to see how that how that affects it. But it's like. Yeah. It is not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, it's more expensive than what I normally yeah, use. It's it's twenty five percent more than the other base. But like, was, yeah. I was expecting it to be not um, not knowing that kind of price, like not knowing that pricing ahead of time. I thought it was going to be quite a bit more than that. Yeah. So I was pretty pleased to realize this is a this is a cheap beer to make. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, gosh, this this has me thinking about a bunch of stuff. And, and honestly, like really that, because I have a beer, I'm going to be making a beer at Sonder uh, coming up. And I've been thinking about running back this version of this, of this hoppy lager that I've been working on. But I don't know. I've got to talk to Chase. I, I've, I've got to see like, because the pitches, the pitches on my end is like, all right, we want to be able to, I don't know. And anyways, um, but <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so yeah, th th those malts have have layers to them, and it, it comes down to malting process and different things like that. Um, and I think like when when you and I buy base malt here, a lot of the base malt that we're buying is built to make American white lager. Yes, like it, it, it's built to be high adjunct. Uh, and, and so like, and so what I'm speaking to is. Uh, the base malt, a lot of uh, two rows that are American grown, Canadian grown, two rows are really high in diastatic power in order to make up for the lack of diastatic power in rice, corn, and for, for making light lager, right? And these, these British, these British malts that we're buying, they're not built that way. They're, they're not built that way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that, that's, that's really, really cool. That's really, really cool. So, um, let's start dipping into yeah. uh, the 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 recipe. We, we talked about the malt, and, and you had some 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 rough percentages on it. And if there's and if there's interest, we can post full recipe uh, by percentage in in the chat or part of the in the comments after. But um, so like going into the mash uh, yeah. with with the beer like that. What did you do mash up wise? Uh, let's see. I. Went about, I went about 156. Was my mask. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if that's what I actually planned. I feel like that was maybe a degree higher than I was. Sure. And I was planning. That's all in the ballpark. But kind of looking it was, to. It was I wanted some more body, so I, I figured I wanted to hit at least 154. Yep. Um, yep. But not higher than what I hit. So 
So I was pretty happy. Sure. Pretty happy. But that's definitely something, I mean, slight, slight change that just, uh, I'm still getting used to is figuring out where to, how to actually hit my mash temps. Oh, because that's... it is wild. I, the number of times where I'm like, I take a beer. Sorry for the digression, which yeah. <laughs> but I'll take a beer and I'm like, okay, I haven't made this before. Here's what I'm shooting for. It's got about the same grain volume as this beer. Okay, that hit this temperature. So let me work it, work it back from there. And then I won't even be close. <laughs> like, like sometimes I'll drop 12 degrees when I'm mashing. Other times I'll drop nine. And then other times I'll drop 16 degrees. You know, it's what, like, what is happening? One of the things you could do is if you wanted, um, one of the things you could do is preheat that mash tub. Especially so as as yeah. we come into like cause the difference between as we, we mentioned temperature before at cartridge, you know, when it's ninety degrees in there, uh, and the grain is ninety degrees up in the hopper, or potentially warmer because it's higher, yeah. as opposed to colder times of year, stuff like that. Um, so one, that's water one of the one of the variables, just throw some HLT water through the through the yeah. spray balls, uh, throw a barrel through there and just dump it to the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then and take your base, and, and you could really do that year round. And then, then your only variable is grain time yeah. in, in the thing. So it, it would at least I'm not eliminate I'm one. But playing around with a little bit one. might help you have some uh, some stability there. That one's definitely there. This one, I, I was, I remember being pretty happy with. Oh, you're with, right with in there. Where I hit on this beer, you're right um, in there for sure. For yeah. sure. So yeah, um, 156 uh, mash temp on this one. And then also, when I say for sure, it's not the same thing as me saying sure. So it's just saying folk. That's what my <laughs> that's what my PE teacher in high school used to say. He always say for, for sure. So, so yeah. So if, if if chat is is claiming me as saying nope, cowboy, you're wrong, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if you're counting me saying for sure as saying sure, those are two. They they're, it, they 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 count functionally as two different uh two different functions conversationally so uh i'm stepping in on the game and i'm putting some rules on it uh, for your safety that's right <laughs> it's, 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 unless, it's, unless you're drinking english beer in which case drink away i heard somebody said they're going to jack and coke I, I don't know how i feel about that but uh <laughs> you're wrong i'm sorry jack, jack and coke is a disgusting drink <laughs> Well, now listen. Well, when I free me occasionally has to go Jack and Coke. No, 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 but, so don't we'll do, but don't do Jack. <laughs> it's not that it's not that Coke for his option. It's the it's the Jack. That's the, that's the issue. Sorry. So speaking to the match. Yes. Uh, we hit about one fifty six. So we are looking to go a little bit on the higher side. Looking to drive body. Looking yep. to drive uh, some long chain dextrins in the match. Um, what? Is what what are we looking at as far as we do water chemistry wise? With this water thing? chemistry, I went with uh, so I use green water right for all my, my water water pellets. Now I I tried to do like a lot of I'm doing a lot of research on what people do for for these quarters, um, and you know it's all over the place. Yeah, uh, naturally, most people are just like, listen, it's going to have enough malt character that it kind of doesn't matter a whole lot like sure. um so i went basically one-to-one on um gypsum chloride yeah gypsum chloride yep. so i think i ended up being i had to my actual numbers were something like 77 parts sulf, 
sulfate, yep. 76 parts of chloride. Yep. Um, I think I wanted to drive both of them up a little bit more, but I couldn't and, and hit my, my pH. Yeah, because that real small was pushing the pH yeah, down. Because I, cause I also yeah. was shooting for, I was shooting for about a 5, 4, 5 pH, uh, which I did not hit. I, I got well, I went low on, I went low on a pH. I went five three. Right. I ended up hitting yeah, five three four, which is fine. Yeah, it's yeah, certainly it's within the range, right. but I but I was definitely shooting for for a little bit closer to the five four mark at least, just yeah. because it is a darker maltier beer. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. favor that, but yeah. Oh. So so okay, yeah. And, and part of me, I was wondering if I was picking up, and I don't think there's like elevated levels of gypsum because there's a dryness. Yeah, to the finish of the beer, and I was wondering if it was like a little bit water driven, and and, and we can we can kind of uh, roll into that further when we talk a little bit about uh, the tasting. Uh, so, uh, hop wise on this beer, uh, what did you have in the kettle? I went with the only British hops that I could get my hands on, which was Challenger. Okay. Um, yeah, that was the only thing that was yep. on this And so you use Challenger where in this? Uh, bittering edition. Yep. So you get in at ten. Okay. Nice. Um, uh, and so, yeah. do you have IBU or, or, or volume for it? What you expect to I, get out of each one? No. Do you have the alpha acid on that? Yeah, six one. Okay, so Challenger was six one. Nice. Six one. I put uh, put almost three pounds of Challenger in at, uh, for bittering. Yep. Forty two ounces and then a ten ounce addition. Ten. Sure. And again, this is in, uh, finished. Uh, 15 barrels. And it was, and again, it was the IBU at for the beer. Uh, look at what is Jamil. Jamil recommended followed that that model from just an IBU standpoint. Yep. I can't remember what he said for each one of those editions, but that I tried to get is right around there. So I want to say it's. And it's probably mid twenties. I was going to say I want to say summer, somewhere between twenty five and thirty five. Yep. yep, is is my guess. Yep, um, but I could I could put that. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. You're good. Uh, and then you end up fermenting this with uh, with the with the four. Okay, so we went with the four on it. Yeah. Uh, fermentation temps. Fermentation at sixty seven. Yep. Uh, all the way all the way through until it ended. I did hit a point where I, this beer did not drop down as far as I yep. expected it to, so I I tried to raise the temperature, but was also having heater issues. Yeah. Um, so my brewery was sixty six degrees. Yeah, it's really it's really hard to get a beer yeah, on the tail end of fermentation to get that thing yeah. to go up to seventy two or seventy or whatever I had it set to. You know, when your when your brewery is less than what it's currently fermented at. Sure. Um, so it didn't go. You know, it didn't dry out as much as I. Yep. Was, was thinking it would. Yep. But. So, uh, okay, so we're through that. Uh, and then uh, what kind of what kind of carb did you put on the beer? Um, this reads at like 2-2. Two, two. Uh-huh. So I wanted to keep that pretty low. Um, Honestly, I because I, we, we do a lot of beers at Cartridge at like 2-6, Yeah. If you were up that high, it, it would no, hurt. I, I knew, and the, the interesting thing is that I'm, Doing uh, low carb beers at cartridge is, is tough. Those carb stones are too good. Yeah. Um. You can't. I found out you just can't get below two six. Okay. On them. Like they either don't carb, yeah. or they carb to two six and above. Yeah. There's no. There's no intermediate yeah. for some reason. So this was. Um, 
basically just that first year card, but, but it had it had close to one nine or two maybe when I moved it because it was sitting on it was sitting on some pressure for a while anyways. And then when I moved it, you know, kept a little bit of pressure in the tank, so I don't lose anything. And it took it took a day and a half maybe that yeah to get it up the rest of the way. Oh yeah, uh, that's awesome. And I'm I'm, I'm grateful like, again. Uh, you know, I mentioned not loving the beer when I first tried it, and a part of that was it tasted drier than it does now. Yep. Um, and so that also drove down my car. I mean, I was going to go low on carb anyways, yep. but I'm like, well, this thing's already tasting kind of dry. I don't want to make it seem even drier. Yep. <laughs> um, so let's go. I was, so I think I was it, tasted, it tasted dry. Why before the beer was dry? Yeah. This is our, this is our, one of our conversations that we used to have. So that beer's tasting drier when, because you still have yeast in solution, still hot covered, uh, hot, hot covered, yeah. or, or yet, yeah, you know, hot oil covered yeast. Um, and, uh, and it's carrying that and it carries a harshness with it. And then you get that yeast out. Yeah. And, uh, it changes the beer. It changes, sure. it changes the, I mean, the, I will say just from a, Truly selfish standpoint, and the clear X is, is, is something to do with this This might be the clearest beer I've made. Yeah, it's not clear. This beer, is, this beer is. I saw that, and I'm like, yeah, you, you can't, you, is, you can't um, tell. It, it is all. obscenely clear, but it's gorgeous. And, and that's the other thing. Like one of the things I love about beers, this color is. Um, I love those when you pull use, like those oh, ruby or oh garnet highlights. That's right. I'm ex- I've got a rye lager in this one, but I think it's going okay. to be in the same nice. same color range, and hopefully it ends up as clear. You'll be able to drink that one too. Thank you, Yeah, boy. Thank you, Eric. I love There's it. There's no reason not to. <laughs> there really isn't. <laughs> There's no reason not there to. really isn't. It, it, it's, it's cheap. super cheap. It's yeah. cheap, and, and it works. We are gonna, we are going to uh, we are going to trial it. At Sonder, um, and see particularly if it if it ends up extending uh, filter pad life. Ooh, um, nice. yeah. So because that would be the one in yeah. cell there. So really if cool. we could use it, I could start drinking beers that I make over there. Again. But uh, I didn't use hurt. it in this. Uh, I used Claire's but the other piece. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was just thinking. Of, I was just thinking of post from like, like I was thinking of extra, like additional pieces here. It's okay. It's just five days of smelling and <laughs> no, crunching, no, no. crunching. I use clarity. <laughs> Thinking of like cheap, cheap additives that I don't know why we haven't been using yeah. more of them for longer. I started using texture in more of my beers. Okay. Not this one because I wasn't yeah, seeking yeah. foam stability yeah. or, or additional bitterness. But oh my gosh, how have I not been using that as much as it's on it's on I did I threw it into um every made airborne. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I threw it in there, and we were, I was cutting six of it yesterday, and it's not the clearest beer that I would like, but whatever, that's, a, that's another thing. But I pulled a little sample of it while I was, while I was doing it, and it it maintained home stability for 45 minutes. Like, now, granted, I wasn't drinking out of it, I yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. messing, but like, what? It didn't make like a mustache contact. Right? <laughs> no, yeah, so there wasn't any oils to cut through it. But yeah. I could not believe it. Yeah. So yeah. that was good. Not really yeah, touching. Not really no, no, good. At all. Real deal. <laughs> it, it, it's a handy tool for sure. So um, let's let's talk yes. actually about what we're what we're smelling and tasting yes. with this beer. Um, and, and you start because you won't be as kind as I will. Not kind. No, but I, I think 
I think I will be more honest than you are. That's so. Awesome. So first of all, hat tip to uh, Brown Malt, and I don't know if it's just uh, the fact that I've that I've been such a Jamil disciple all these years, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know if you can make brown porter without brown malt. I think that's I, I think it's it, it's a prerequisite, and I think it jumps out in this beer. Um, to me, brown malt is like a like a real deep toast. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like and, and yeah, it has some roast character to it as well, but it's just a really no, deep just, toast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, to me, it's like it's it's just the essence of like like malt taken to its extreme without without becoming roast. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I used to I used to like Bob, I used to Munich was that for me. Yeah. And then I tried some brown malt, and I was like, oh no, this is <laughs> this is the one. It is like everything that that. Maltiness can be without becoming you know, that roasty. Yeah. But I mean, I think this has some, some little stuff left, so it's a little hurt. It's all right. I think brown malt should be finding its way into more dark beers that we make. Uh, even at a small percentage, three, four percent, get it into your stouts, uh, get it into anything you want, some level of roast character, deep toasting. Uh, it, it, it's an absolutely beautiful and underused malt. Uh, Beer Coin Nation is in the chat. Welcome, man. Um, but yeah, so yeah, what, what I that, pull off of it, go ahead. I, mean, I get some, some really nice caramel toffee that, that I just I just love. Those in any beer. They should be noticed. But sure. <laughs> any, any of those dark beers at home. And then, to me, it's again, it's this it's layering piece, and it's layers of malt. It's bready, it's crispy, it's toasty. Like it's all of, it's a little bit of all of them. And the more you, the more I smell it, the more I pick up on each one throughout the course of it. You know, yeah. and I just think it all, it all blends together so. So nice and nice. Yeah, it, it's such a good it's recipe. A, it's um, super. It, what I love about it is, and, and and we can get into this in a second, but I like like the front mid palate where there's like an implied sweetness in it. Mm. Um, and the, this beer does dry out. Um, I would say so. This beer finished at ten eighteen, correct? Mm. Um, did rousing or anything do, or did it just stay full? I actually didn't end up rousing okay. because. I left it. I realized nothing was going to happen when it was 66 degrees in the brewery. Correct. Yeah. So I just said, you know what, 1018, after talking to you, it was like, all right, 1018 is good enough this time around. Yeah. <laughs> not going yeah. to improve from there on this. And this, uh, this go. I feel like, uh, so first of all, the impression of resi- residual oh. sweetness is low. So I would personally say that I thought the beer probably drinks closer to 1010, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it is 1018, and I think we talked about using Trio 4 before. Yeah. Um, I would be super interested to uh, try this with. I think that if you got 1018 out of, like, I think I can only remember off the top of my head, it's 002 from White Labs, which is British Ale yeast, I think. Yeah. Um, 
And I would also have to look up, and, and we talked about it a little bit, yeah. as far as uh, glycerol producers, different strains produce different volumes of um, glycerol, you know, glycerol, yeah. uh, bodybuilding, uh, like a slickness, right? Provide the body. Um, but, I mean, I, I think we're nitpicking it at that point, you know. No, I mean, that's uh, what, I mean, between look, looking at it now, Two biggest things I would be interested in changing, or like just trying different on this beer is yeast, yeah, and then just just change the base more just to see, sure, like what different, but just to understand British base more better. Well, and that's the perfect use case for like the the one barrel system, right? Like that little pilot system yeah. where you can just run the same beer with five different base molds. Um, but no, man, that's uh, that's 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 really beautiful. Um, before I, before I forget, and something that we didn't touch on too much, uh, but we're going to jump back a little bit. And so when you were drinking those bitters, so yeah. you drank bitter when you were there and, and one of the styles or like what we would assume to be traditional British styles you drink while you were there. Um, mostly, so yeah, lots of best bitter, um, quite a bit of English IPA. Okay. Um, and then... I don't think I did. I think I had one. Did I have one quarter while I was there? I might have had. I might have had a Sam Smith's okay. on cast while I was there. Yeah. Um, but it was. They're very seasonal, which in all in all respects, like from beer to food, and, and in between, it's which I I loved. Like, there's just no. It's not not the time of year for us to we don't have that to time. make that. So yeah. We're done. And then on the flip side, non-bureau, it was the middle of apple season while I was there. I literally can't drink cider cream <laughs> because it's just not good in comparison to like fresh English cider. Yeah, yeah. Hard cider. But that's a whole nother. What, what whole was other. the ABV on those ciders that you're Those drinking? were, those were bigger. Yeah. I mean, those, those you'd get into like six, eight was probably yeah. the most common. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's hard, especially when you just go with the straight apple fermentation. All yeah. those beers get close to seven, and the, and those those beers or those the, the ciders, yeah, ciders, yeah, they were delicious. I think one time I had two of them in a sitting, and I regretted that. They were just they they taste so good, but they are so sweet. Not okay. just like not just a sugar sweetness, which is probably the only reason that I could have two of them back to back. Like it's an actual apple sweetness yeah. and whatnot, but I finished the second one. I'm so full. Like it was just it was it was too much from that perspective. Yeah. Um, but every sip of it was was good. It's, it was you could you could actually taste. Yeah. The like you knew that yeah you know this came from 40 miles down the road sure. or. If you could take if you could take one beer back here and just have it on draft whenever you wanted, what was that beer for? Okay, I have a list. Go for it. Because I didn't keep as copious notes as I was planning on. Um, but I do have I do have some um is lost time. I think Okay, if I had to pick one, um, from the list that I have here and that I remember, there was a Green King, which is one of the big, the big brews. They they had their, their IPA, 
for English IPA, which was a 3.4% IPA. <laughs> that was just so interesting. It didn't taste like any IPA. In it. it was citrus, but it was it was all lemon, like lemon lemon zest, um, lemon juice a little bit, like uh, and just like it was just enough bitterness, but it didn't you know. To, to balance out some of that nice malt character that's still there. It was different. It was super yeah. Like, so, so pleasing. The right balance of, of all of them. They really did get that IPA diagnosis. There was also a, the, the actual like, craft brewer that I went to, they did a table beer that was um, 2 8 and amazing. <laughs> and I just, it hits. I mean, I'm sure they loaded that boy up with like Dexter or something because it had so much body. Yeah. Two eight beer. I could not believe it. Yeah. And it had, if I recall correctly, I I wish that I uh, knew what like, hops they were using in that thing because it had like a cotton candy-ish okay. um, aroma yeah. that I had never, never. Seen before, yeah, smelled, yeah. smelled before in a beer, and I can't imagine it came from anything but whatever hops they were using. That was just, I maybe wouldn't want to drink it all at the time, yeah. but super interesting. Um, super delicious, definitely. Well, listen, man, Josh, what do you, um, what do you have coming up? I, I've been, I've been pushing Josh for some time to uh, start his own channel. Um, it started with one thing. I have <laughs> well, listen, I've given Josh so much gold over the years <laughs> where it became clear. It, 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 it became known at one point with Josh, Maggie and I at the brewery that apparently Josh drinks milk. And sometimes drinks more milk you say than, like than Maggie thinks is appropriate. And so, <laughs> and so I pitched him the idea of starting the Instagram account of Milky Boys. Oh uh, handle available. And uh, the whole, the, all, all the Instagram would be is him drinking. It would just be zoomed in on a glass of milk and then he would be foggy in the background. And he would just sit down next to it and then just drink multiple glasses of milk and then that would be the end of the reel. I I like that I just so little. <laughs> Dude, did I, did Milky I, boys! I <laughs> so so much prefer the idea of the cultured man. <laughs> That's right. And then I gave and him I the just, cultured whoa, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if you <laughs> gave me that. I don't know if that was like at least a collaboration. <laughs> at least a collaboration here. The but cultured man. I just make I make various cultured foods because yes. I do I, I do fermentation food, yes. And then in the middle of every episode is me sitting down in my chair with a cardigan, probably, yes. or maybe just like this. That would work too. Um, and sharing some variety, some something from you know high culture. Sure, I think is uh, more people should be aware. Of. The cultured man, music, poetry, literature. Whatever it might be. Um, so if you want, man. if you want the culture man, um, you know, let get me know. in the, let me get know. in the get comments, in, baby. Get in the comments, yeah. and uh, if if you get, tell you what, if, if we get a hundred people who tell me that they want the culture man, then I'll uh, I'll do it. 
yeah, man. The culture man is 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 the way to go. Uh, so I basically just been I've just been spoon feeding him uh, online gold, and I mean we'll we'll see where it goes. <laughs> uh, but before we get too silly, yeah. uh, Josh uh, over at Cartridge, uh, what are some of the uh, new beers you have coming up? Uh, where can we find them? Stuff like that. Uh, all the taproom, so you have to come out visit me at Cartridge, but. Uh, Got a lot of new beers to address through the end of the year. I'm not going to go through all of them, but the ones I'm, I'm probably most excited about will have obviously uh, this English Porter on pretty soon, waiting for something to take off. Yeah. English Porter, I've got a cold IPA that I did yes. uh, with Citra, Simcoe, and Sabro that I think turned out really nice. Yes. Um, I'm excited about that one. And, uh, and then I've got a ride lager that'll be coming up again. When I get a chance to move it, it still needs a few weeks cold. But that's the first time I really wanted to like just work with some rye and, and see what that does in a beer. So I figured what better way to do it than that. Well, probably the, the beer I'm most recently excited about, you know, the last time I'll share, is I have a batch of squeeze space beer that I realized I don't need. Um, so I need something to do. I need some. I basically, I basically brewed it as a grower for helioaser. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then realized I don't need to make, I don't need to put squeeze into a tank anytime soon. So I've been trying to figure out what to do with it. And what I'm going to do with it is make it into, cause it's so much passion fruit without any actual fruit. I could not believe it. I'm going to do a chocolate passion fruit wine. Oh, maybe. Um, we were playing around the other day with, we had some chocolate extract in house and obviously passion fruit. And so we were, we were dosing things up a little bit when that scientist and, uh, it works. Nice. It works nice. really well, I think. So nice. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. We're, we're going to put down some cocoa nibs, you know, like 15, 16 pounds of cocoa nibs and then extract with some passion fruit and chocolate. And, uh, Layer it up. Something interesting, exactly. Yeah. Layer on layer on layer. And how did uh how did uh frosted tips turn out? Frosted tips turned out great. Yeah, I forgot about frosted tips. Uh white IPA with spruce tips. Um that beer is that beer is really nice. Maybe not as hazy as I would have as I would have thought it was gonna be. It's being fifty five percent wheat beer mm-hmm. <laughs> with oats <laughs> and rye. I don't know how it's not hazier. Um but it's it's great. I think the spruce the spruce comes through, but not in the way you expect. It's not um, it's not as piney as I thought it was going to be, but I think that's to its benefit. It's more of it's more citrusy, but without being orange. You, like you know that it's not citrus, yeah. but it's in that it's in that vein. So I think it works well with the citrus that's already in that beer. Yep. Um, again, layers layers of flavor that you know complement each other well, but not enough contrast. Yes. And I think it's going over well, and then. In a brewery, so I want to hear some people really liking that beer. So. Beautiful, yeah. Well, listen, man, I'm, I'm I'm super excited. I'm I'm so excited to uh, share this beer with you. Uh, turned out, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, so well. Um, and yeah, I mean, before I before I devolve uh, completely into uh, telling Josh uh, all the wonderful <laughs> things I want to tell him. Uh, on camera, I won't <laughs> because I'm doing Josh a favor. J- Josh is our uh, part Ben, uh, part Ron Swanson. And so I'm leaning on the whole best friend he's ever had. And he didn't even know his name, uh, kind of thing. 
uh, with Rob Swanson. But you're doing good things, man. I'm excited for you. Uh, please go out and check out uh, Cartridge Beer. Um, uh, decent little, uh, decent, um, decent distribution footprint in Cincinnati and Dayton. So Kentucky if you're in the area, Kentucky, Kentucky soon enough. Uh, so get out there and try that stuff. As always, uh, please give our uh, our sponsor uh, Blickman uh, a nice little email um, for sponsoring us. And if you have any needs, both on the homebrew side or the pro side, hit them up. And uh, I will be coming up with a live stream Q and A probably first week of December. And then look out for my interview with uh, Steve Henderson from Rockstar Brewer uh, coming up in December as well. So in the meantime, take care, be good to your people, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. See you guys. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching. If you feel as if you got any value out of the video, please like and subscribe. There are also other videos that you can watch. They're going to maybe be over here or over here. Appreciate you watching. Thank <laughs> you.